Hello, everybody. We're back. Countdown MX Football Podcast streaming live on Twitter Spaces. If you see us, make sure to join in on the conversation. We're going to be talking about this Mexico-Argentina match, the aftermath, our chances of making it to the next round. Seems like everyone's down to the dumps, but we're here to settle everyone down and to keep on believing. But before I go any further, let me welcome Joel to the podcast. Joel, how are we doing on this Sunday afternoon? Joel. Can't hear you, bro. Hello? There he is. There he is. Man, I went to my garage and it it cut out my uh como se llama? <laughs> it just cut it out. Oh. Um yeah. How are you doing, man? Have you recovered to me? Alright, <laughs> so full disclaimer, last last night was a rough one um it was it was a tough week a lot of personal things going on and then obviously the cherry on top mexico losing yesterday but after i wiped my tears and went outside got some fresh air <laughs> slept on it woke up the next morning i realized you know what this is exactly how we had planned it i know like i said i said it in a couple podcasts before it's like you might not like how we do it but we will get out of this group and it's we expected a draw against Poland. We expected to lose against Argentina, and it's all on the line against Saudi Arabia. Like, if you didn't see that happening in this in this World Cup, like, I don't know what to tell you. You must be delusional. But until we're mathematically eliminated, like, Mexico still has a fighting chance. Not I. I said three and out. Oh, it's <laughs> greetings. Greetings, Ron. How are we doing? Uh, livid. Really pissed. Just, I mean, this is, I, I, I've said it for months now. I've said it for months. There's, this doesn't surprise me. And the fact that it's been going on for months and still not making the right, you know, the changes necessary, that's what's really frustrating about this because it's not, it, it, it's not going to get any better. It, it really isn't. And as much, and as much as Tata, I, I, I say Tata has about, 40% of the responsibility here because at the end of the day, you know, he has control of the players, like the team, the rosters. The federation is not imposing players on him. Uh, and, and obviously he, he chooses a roster. He chooses the style. And that's my, that's been my biggest complaint is just basically the rosters that he's used, the substitutions that he uses, the, 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 the style or lack thereof. That he that you know that he's used, but it's not a surprise because he went in the uh, in the World Cup qualifiers in the in the last ten you know the, the the last round of the World Cup qualifiers. I don't even think they scored ten goals. You know, no, but but Brock, yeah. If if after like seven minutes, resigned that, twice. At that point, you blame him. Well, no, I'm, you know, because he still, like I say, I, I, I would still assign at least forty percent to him because 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 the, federa the federation is not imposing is not imposing is not imposing you know players and stuff like that. And, 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 but and here's the thing, even to to an extent, yes, it's the players, and I, but 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 the thing about it is, 
the players are not at fault. They're not the ones that that uh, that chose not to participate in Copa America. They're not the ones that chose not to participate in, in Copa Libertadores. And that's why I said that's why I don't assign everything to Tata uh, for Martino because at the end of the day, the only the only the, you know the Mexican teams, both at the national and club level, they don't have a, a an exam per se. You know, during half, you know, halfway through the semester, they don't. Have, they don't. I mean, we used to be able to gauge the progress of, of of both you know clubs and national team, you know, throughout the cycle because you were able to play uh, the Confederations Cup, you were able to play in the Copa America, and then you were also able to play in, in Sud America and, and, and Sud Americana and Libertadores. So you kind of you kind you 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 knew where you stood. Now we've gone basically two cycles, eight years. Where we really don't know how well the t- you know the you know the, the the improvement is is on the teams. I mean, yes, we did the Copa America tw- you know 2016, and obviously that was a disaster. But but again, I mean, this last cycle, we don't really know. I mean, the Nations League is a joke, and and, and the Gold Cup is a joke. That's that's not a way to to, to measure uh, how well your team is doing. That's just that that is just a, a, a two tournaments. Set up to exploit, you know, the 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 Mexican American and Latin American, or you know, the Hispanic American populations in the U.S. That's it. That's all it's for. It's not. It's not to grow the, the you know the, the confederation, because if, if they really wanted to grow the confederation, they would you know they would do more to, to play you know uh, 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 with with the South Americans to see where we really stand, and that is what's I, the frustrating thing. I think the the growth is for the smaller nations. That what's that? Would the growth is more for the small federation. The yeah, teams that, that would they would normally not get a chance to be in these type of tournaments. And so some <laughs> some of these guys will benefit. Uh some of them won't because a lot of corruption and they don't whatever no, money I, they <laughs> I get it, I get it. But but you know, they need they need I understand that the, the smaller, you know, federations need to, to, you know, need more games and stuff like that. But they shouldn't be able, they shouldn't hold you back. They shouldn't hold the stronger, you know, FAs uh, from from wanting to pursue, you know, a bigger fish. Now, I, I get it that in the past, you know, uh, you know, in, in the past uh, couple of years, the hesitancy to go back into the South American tournaments is actually now on on the federation, the Mexican federation. But before that was not the case. That was that was Jack Warner and Chuck Blazer, and and and, and that you know that former cabal of you know, of, of mafiosos there that were basically, you know, Im- impeding a- a- uh, the Mexican Federation. That nope, you're not going to be able to participate in these tournaments. You gotta you gotta give preference to to the champions, and you gotta give preference to the uh, to the uh, to the the gold cup. But that started in 2011. And you know that's what that's when they basically said that New Mexico was not going to take their full team to to the Copa America in in, in Argentina, um, and that's that's when that that's when that kind of started. And uh, I, I I saw an article, uh, what was it about a week before the World Cup started or a couple of days before, and they inter- and they interviewed uh, the South American the Conmebol uh, president. And they asked him about Mexico, and he and his answer has been the same, like like it's been in the past couple of years. It's not on us, gentlemen. 
they know they have the invitation. So, I mean, what's his name? I think his, I think his last name is Dominguez or whatever. So, yeah. So, it, it's that's that to me is the frustrating part of And honestly, the way things are going right now, I don't expect I don't expect uh, Mexico to advance past the uh, the group stages in, in in the next World Cup. Oh, stop it! No, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to be. You know, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. But I I, I said this before. We go through you this every have, four you, years, man. Every no, no, four no, 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 never, never. <laughs> this conversation never. is Holly, always the Holly, same Holly, every no, four no, years. Holly, Holly's known me now for twenty years. I've never been like this. Never. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I, I, I understand. I'm, like the, I understand the frustration I'm, I'm, and, and, you know, what we're seeing on the pitch is just abysmal, especially like yesterday. Like it, it was pretty obvious that Tata Martino had basically just gift wrapped the game for Argentina. Um, it's very weird to see a, pl- a coach that has basically been very stubborn with the four, four, three or four, three, three, sorry, like the entire process. And then against Argentina, he decides to go five, three, two, and it's just like, what are you doing, man? It's like you're going against everything that you had had planned, and um, it just goes to show, man. Like Tata is a big a big part of this this failure. I, I understand it, and that's part. I mean, that's just really a small part of, of of it. My my whole thing is just the entire process from from top to bottom, the entire structure, the entire planification. We don't have anything going for us for the next four years. We don't have Olympics. You, uh, well, I think we 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 failed to qualify in what in every uh, youth tournament. So how how are we gonna you know and and forget the league, uh you know the the league the league is not attractive anymore for 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 the Mexican player anymore, and the and the and the amount of you know of foreigners that are in the league, most of them are not national team players. So we're, we're we're not even able to attract the Mexican player anymore. We're not even able to attract the same the, the caliber of South American players that we used to be for okay and then we have players that rather would be in mls than than to, to you know be in, in in mexico so i mean how 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 do you expect the mexican team to get better next next uh next world cup next cycle hey for it's for, this- for a team that's uh basically a league mx base like we've we haven't had that bad of a performance like- it is it's horrible it's like we don't, you know we don't have, we're not we're not scoring goals yeah, but the whole argument that like, oh, you know, we would be better off if we kept, you know, exporting players to Europe, like obviously hasn't been hasn't been the case. Like that's irrelevant in this World Cup. Like we've held our own against, you know, teams that are all in Europe, like Poland and Argentina, most of their all their players play in Europe and I mean, it could have been a lot worse. What I will say is, is <laughs> it, 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 we haven't been in this situation since run. 1978. Run, run really yeah. quick though. Yeah. Did you have Mexico beating Poland and tying or beating Argentina? No. Like I, I know it's possible. I, 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 thought, I, I thought I I thought that we would actually be eliminated by now and the only and the only victory you know with uh, against the Saudis. We we're still well, on I mean, track. So, we're so, st- this yeah, is still I going think... up according to plan the way everyone thought it was yeah. going to go down. Well, yeah, yeah no, we normally that the schedule is it's like sometimes Mexico. it could favor you more where it's like Mexico could have faced the Saudis first, or Mexico or and then control its destiny right now. Let's just just, just be clear. Mexico well, did not control destiny. France '98, right? That was the same thing up until Mexico, that last game. But Mexico scored. Yeah. No, I, I get yeah, that. The, no, but you know what? And and I agree all those things you were saying. But 
I think the 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 main problem has been that there's too many foreigners and and it's like we could see it with the striker situation because there are none strikers right now. There really aren't any or that many to choose from. And and I think the consequences we're seeing with, with the selection where they yeah. it lacks depth. Yeah. Like Steph, you miss a player and then it's like the drop in, in quality and talent, it's pretty big. Uh, and I think that's been hurting because of how many foreigners play in Mexico. Um, like sometimes you'll see like seven, eight to a team. And yeah. it's, it's, it's just too high. But I, to me, that's been what's hurt the team the most as opposed to not, not having access to these other tournaments. Because even if we did have that access, we would still like players with the quality to 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 make something out of it. Man, I, I know Ron's not trying to be melodramatic or anything like that, but he's surely accomplishing it. <laughs> I just don't. I don't. I haven't seen this team like the, the, the not just this performance. I'm, I'm looking. I'm not. I, I'm not put. I mean, I don't have blinders on. I'm trying to look at the entire panoramic here. No, I run. I certainly uh, agree with a lot of what you're saying, right? I don't think it's quite as dire as you say that it is. I do think that, that the striker situation is really, really bad, and we do need to get into some of those other tournaments. It's definitely something that we've discussed on, on the show quite a bit. But I, 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 as far as uh, some of the functionality some of a couple of the other players, I don't think it's been that bad. I really do think when it comes to creating creating goals and uh, and scoring them it certainly is a major problem the league is saturated with with imp import pl imported players um and that's certainly not going to help the development and then of course you can have your arguments of well shouldn't they be be beating out these players uh, you know, you know but I, don't, I don't think it's as dire as you're as you're saying it even even the striker, even the striker, you know, uh, not having a, a proper striker, that still for me is not an excuse. Who who was right now without looking Google or anything like that? Who were the strikers for the twenty for the for the Spanish team that won the World Cup in twenty uh, in twenty uh, twenty ten and won the Euro Cups? Uh, that that was one of the. That was one of the. That was one of the that, that was one of the criticisms of that Spanish generation. Even though they won the twenty eight, you know, they they won the 08 uh, Euro Cup, then the World Cup, and then uh, you know, in in twenty twelve, is that they did they did. They did they, but yeah, but that, that, I mean, you're, you're, you can say the same for you can, you can say the same for France, Giroud. What I'm what I'm saying what I'm saying is that you the coach has to have. The, 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 the frame of mind that if you don't have if you don't have the nine or if you don't have the two nines you you have to adapt and, and you around that that you see the team with a bunch of world class players as comparison is it's a bit too extreme because even if they, they, prior to prior to 08 they were not considered world class <laughs> no, no, what I'm saying is they were not considered world class prior to that. I don't know yes, by who. You had, you had Iniesta and you had you had you know Xavi and stuff like that. But what I'm saying is that not having that 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 pure striker that you know you, not having them, you had to adapt. 
and and that's and that's what you know, and that's what Tata has failed to do. He hasn't been able to adapt. Okay, so you for whatever reason your players got hurt, they're injured, they're not in you know in season, they're on the bench riding the pine, uh, uh, riding the pine in Europe. Are you still going to be that stubborn that you're going to die by 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 your 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 philosophy here? I mean, I don't see the point of doing that. Yeah, I think the the another glaring problem was the fact that he insisted on like Herrera and, and Guardado, and those guys are not center midfields anymore. They they don't have the legs. They're they're more defensive minded now. Um, and I think that was another issue with with yesterday's lineup. And having Edson like not play was like, I mean, that is like, that's foul right there. I uh, thought that made a lot of questionable decisions yesterday. And um, but at the end of the day, guys, it's not over yet. You know, Saudi Arabia, we could easily score four goals against them the way we did Iraq. I know it's going to be a gamble. I know they they obviously beat Argentina. They're going to play a high line, and we're going to fucking exploit that, man, with Chucky Lozano and maybe Alexis Vega. I don't know who comes in for that third game. I don't know if they got too tired um, yesterday. But, I mean, the fact is, like, we can still realistically score a lot of goals against Saudi Arabia. In fact, I think that was the game that I thought that was waiting for to to unleash the Mexican side that we saw against Colombia. I mean, that first half was was amazing, and that was, like, some of our best football we've seen under Tata in, in the last year. And then we obviously saw what we did in that friendly uh, against Iraq. So, Right now, just teams, just looking at huh? Are those two teams in the World Cup? They're not, the but I mean, just like what we saw from the Mexican team in those matches, we know what they're capable of doing. And I think maybe he was kind of holding this in his back pocket until the third game to really like give us what we've been, we've been what we've been waiting for. Here's the thing: I, I just have not seen anything that inspires the confidence in putting the ball in the back of the net by anybody on the team. Nothing. We have had two chances in both games throughout yeah. the Poland and the Argentina. One mm-hmm. uh, one chance against Poland, and then the closest we got versus Argentina was that Alexis Vega free kick. Outside of that, Mexico has not produced anything. So I think it might be to the point where it'd be ideal to lose to Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so the whole so the whole house of cards falls. Nah, dude. This is not a Tata Martino just issue. This is not from the top. This is Yonde Luisa. This is from the league. This is everything combined. It's from you know, not look you guys were talking about all the foreign players. Yeah, foreign players make taking up all the striker roles. Now all the set all the defense roles. Uh, so, uh, the soccer chronicles here mentioning about Spain and 2010 and stuff. Yeah, Spain had the luxury of playing with a false nine without a true striker because of the midfield they had. Tata doesn't even have that midfield with Guardado and Herrera. Like you don't, you have guys who cannot play on both sides of the ball defensively, or who cannot generate chances for the wingers to. So you can play with a false nine. So I mean, I don't understand where all this hope is coming from. And and if we do go ahead, let's say we do beat Saudi Arabia 4-0, make it to the next round. So is the whole process, every, all the trash that has been going on for the last three years, is that all of a sudden thrown out behind the window? And, oh, well, nothing's broken. We made it to the round of 16. Let's keep going the same way we've been going. Dude, nothing's going to change. Like, nothing will fundamentally change whether they get out of the group or not. That's the facts. No, no, not true, Jaime, because in, in – uh... In, in what was it in twenty in early two thousands when when the federation was in a downward spiral where they didn't qualify to the seventeen the twenty the uh, you know the, um, the the Olympics and also losing to the U S in, in in the uh, in the World Cup in twenty uh, in 02, that cre- that that created you know some change 
where where they started to put put more attention into the youth development, and shortly thereafter, you started to see results with you know with uh you know with the teams winning the the seventeen, you know, obviously culminating in the in the twenty three uh, Olympics and stuff like that. So sometimes, unfortunately, you it has to be. You know, and it kind of started. I'm not. I'm not convinced. Yeah. I'm not convinced that, just, that anything just, will happen. Just a quick, just a quick yeah. note on that, because the federation kind of messed up in when it came to youth, and they brought in Hugo Grondona. No, huh? yeah, they brought in Grondona and Grifa. Jorge no, no, to, no, they Grifa to to go from club to club, but to, they put in charge of the youth teams. It was uh, I I, for, I confused the name of the dad and the son. I think it's Hugo Grondona. Yeah, no, I, I know. He's, I he's the guy that destroyed Argentina's youth teams. He, he no, did everything. Everything Peckerman did, he just took a fat dump. But they brought that guy who was doing the mess. Uh, and but but when Mex won, that was because of Burrillo Ascarraga. He, he did it out of his own pocket. The under 15 with Chucho. Ramirez, and then, and then Casa Ramirez ended up, uh, you know, they won that, and it sort of kickstarted that. But that came more up from from Burrillo yeah. than from like the. I think what Federación, though, I, I would say, came more in like saying, okay, we're going to host uh, Olympic qualifiers, and we're going to host a Gold Cup because that's kind of what they did. They they hosted those tournaments. And that ended up favoring Mexico uh, in but, the long run. But but this is this is what really set up the catalyst because the fact, do you know how much Televisa, you know, Televisa and, and TV Azteca lost a lot of money because they were because they 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 missed out of the Olympics, they missed out of you know those youth tournaments. And but, those, but now they're this, losing this, that money too, even if they qualify, because you have you have like the Carlos Lins, the Fox Sports. They can no, like all this other to compete with, so a, a lot of times they don't even have the rights. No, but this is what I'm saying. The, the, the right now, probably the best thing that could happen for the federation is just to crash and burn, and for all the the uh, Concacaf teams to crash and burn. Because if every team in Concacaf just goes out, boom, right there, how how are you going to sell? How are you going to sell that the Nations League is a premier is a premier tournament that the Gold Cup is a premier tournament that the Concacaf Champions It doesn't is matter a bro tournament. because people will still buy and pay pay money to see that no, in their in North America if, if you pressure if they pressure the the, the, the club owners and, you know if, they, if there's pressure that the product is crap just like I'm saying that you have to have that sort of embarrassment and, and you know, losing to the losing to the United States in, in, in twenty, and then you know, not making it to the uh, to the to what was it Athens or what, what was it Athens in in, in 04? or no? Which uh, no, I'm sorry, the Sydney one. The the Sydney uh, was the two thousand. Right? No, Sydney. Sydney was uh, Athens was oh four. Yeah, Mexico made that one, but they didn't make it to the one in two in two thousand. So so basically, from two thousand to about you know oh three. Just Mexico was just playing like crap, it, just from top to bottom. Youth international, they were missing out on major tournaments, and there was pressure. And they put pressure on the club owners and the federation. And that now, I mean, now you're seeing because of that pressure. Now you're seeing, you know, the 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 all the clubs have have um, you know youth teams and stuff like that. 
Ron, I, for, so, uh, for, for me, what I think the, the best thing that, that, that would have happened was if Mexico would have missed the World Cup in 2014. I think that would have lit a fire under their ass. Right now, they're in the World Cup. They got paid for sponsorships, and sure, they're not going to get everything that, that, that you know, they were hoping for. But that, that, if, had that uh, cycle failed, they, they really would have had to rethink that. Yeah. The thing is, like, look, we're already in the next World Cup. We're hosting it. So, like, you guys wishing them to get not even get out of the group, it's not going to – there's nothing to gain from that. There's nothing to gain from any of this because Mexico will continue to have people, fans fly out for every fucking game. You have Caramelo. Like, you, you have these people that will reg – like, regardless of what's the product, they will continue to spend money Detroit. and all this team, on the swag, on the on the jerseys, on the – everything, dude. Like, until the cash cow is, is dry – like Mayo's gonna ride this out until the very last drop, and by yeah, between, then they between. don't they don't care. There's no consequences of what they actually produce out there. Like regardless of what happens, regardless of, of the results, fans will still show up to watch the the national team, and they'll still go pay for these partidos moleros. Like this is not going away. Like they're probably one of the top selling like jerseys in the world, and they're probably one of the top paying fans in in the World Cup right now. Like. This is not going away, guys, unless we stop paying. Another, all those ugly jerseys sell, Jaime. I remember that ugly Charlie Brown one. And that yeah. thing sold out. And now, now we got that nasty school, which I blame. I blame for all this wickedness. was when they changed the badge. And that thing sells, too. You're, you're right. You could put a turd with flames, and, and the fans will still buy it. Hey, question. First year, and uh, what year did Mexico... Host the World Cup for the first the first one. Seventy. Did they qualify to seventy four? No. The second time they hosted the World Cup. Eighty six. What was it? What year? Did they qualify? Yeah, but, the but well, ninety was banned. That's different. No, 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 it's not. The point I'm trying to the, the point the point that I'm trying to make here now, okay, is that if history repeats itself, okay, one of the reasons the reasons why the the the, the federation did not continue on to the World Cup the following year or the following cycle is because 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 the history pr uh, has proven that after the World Cup there's a lot of there's a lot of pol uh, political uh, you know uh, backstabbing and, and, and stuff like that within the own federation because everybody's trying to hang you know everybody wants to hang medals off you know you know they're trying to hang medals that they're you know fighting you know amongst themselves and that proved true that proved true in in, in 70 you know, because when Cañedo, you know, when Cañedo basically brought brought uh, the World Cup to uh, to Mexico and Zemedy, everybody wanted to get him out. You know, there was a lot of there was a lot of jealousy, and then you also had very bad. You also had a lot of you know uh, uh, political backstabbing after the '86 World Cup and stuff like that. And and I'm just saying, Dave, the World Cup is going to bring is going to that that sort of stuff brings uh, unfortunately in Mexico. Brings a lot of uh, backstabbing within, you know, the the the, the federativos and stuff like that. We, we already saw it, Ron. We've been seeing this. It's, it's more like front stabbing, which we had with Grupo Pachuca and trying to take the TV rights. Take, so our, take, he was trying to take us out of his green book. <laughs> yes, he was. Yes, he was. And well, we we've been seeing it, but I think it's it's changed a lot. The dynamic has changed a lot. Um, Televisa no longer has as many clubs as they used to. Now it's Grupo Pachuca and, and Grupo Orlegi 
you have all these other owners, uh, different new owners. Uh, you have like the Monterrey teams now with putting way more money. And so they're obviously going to become more influential. So, I mean, we're going way back. Well, you're going way back, right? Right when it was just Televisa and their big swinging dick and everybody got out of the way. And it's like you had uh, Mauder and the, the guy from Atlas when they tried to well, they wrestle the power the from them. They what happened? That, that's, how they, they, that's why but you remember Ron, it was briefly and then Mauder ended up in jail. Not, it, it was like for like a year or less. No, it was for a couple of years. You remember Mexico, the Mexico? They even put in Menotti out. Menotti lasted like one year with Mexico. And, and that's who Mauder brought. They they weren't there that long. They 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 knocked them out pretty quick, man. They 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 took him out. But I, I do think a lot has been changing. We're still seeing these changes, and of course tied to television. And we saw early in the year with this one company, right? They were offering what, like close to a billion? What were they offering for to market the TV rights for Liga MX or something like that? It was like nine hundred million, uh, Joel. Thank you, thank you, sir. My memory. It it, uh, it backstabs me, uh, but I mean we're seeing that, and I think that's what we're going to see soon, uh, probably after, like Ron says, after well, the World Cup, because I think Televisa has already on lockdown. But after it, yeah, there's going to be putazos, man. It's it's going to be it's going to no, get pretty. You said it yourself, dude. That there's more players involved now, and that sort in 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 that sort of environment. You're going to have a lot of, of these, you know, uh, front office problems that are going to that's going to trickle, that's going to trickle down into into the uh, the operation. And I'm just saying that you know we saw it, we've seen it twice already in Mexico. And I'm just saying, right now, I like I said, I'm not trying to be melodramatic. I'm not trying to you know to to to, to you know be an, an alarmist. But from what I'm seeing and what I have seen. I, I just don't see I don't see any hope for this for the for the for the soccer right now and because like I said the league isn't attract it does not attract the quality South American players that they used to you cannot attract the best Mexican players anymore okay you don't have you don't have a, a way to gauge the progress of your teams both at the club and the national because you don't have participation in tournaments that matter. That to me right there is how how are you going to go to the next World Cup? For this one, for me, this one's already over. So how, are you, how, how are you going to go for 20, how are you going to go to 2026 20, uh, and not and not know exactly how how you stand, where you stand? You don't. Real. Copa, winning, yeah. winning Gold Cup, winning Gold Cup doesn't mean shit. Winning the Nations League doesn't mean shit. You're supposed to make it to the final. That's what those those that that tournament's designed for. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens after the World Cup. There are going to be a couple guarantees. Number one, Tata's out. Number two, this is the last World Cup for players like Andres Guardado, Hector Herrera, maybe Moreno. Ochoa did did hint about going to a sixth one, but we'll see. So, like the one thing that's guaranteed is a lot of these players are not going to be with the team anymore, and and think that's a breath of fresh air already. As far as like looking into 2026, it is a little bit concerning that since we're already qualified, we're not going to be participating in in qualifiers. So that level of competition is is going to be a lot to be left desired. There's going to be a lot of friendlies. 
I don't know if we'll convince Gomebol to host another Copa America here in the United States. That might be the only opportunity for Mexico to actually get some legitimate opponents aside from... There's not a lot of convincing there. They're, they're broke over there, dude. Yeah. They but another thing, like too, is like... The Nations League... Here, yeah, the Nations League fucked everybody because now it's like there's no... Uh, what's the cross-pollination, right? So all the, the, the uh, you know, the Euro, the CONCACAF, all the, all the nations, they have their own, like, you know, tournament that they participate in. So it's like we're, we're pretty much shit out of luck with, with trying to get friendlies with, you know, European teams, Brazilian teams, you know, outside of our own confederation. So that's the only part that kind of, like, shot ourselves in the foot. Uh, we do have Hernan who wants to speak. I'll add you in a second. Let me read off uh, from our number one fan on YouTube chat. Uh, Ricardo, thanks for hopping on. He says, uh, Mexico has all sorts of problems, but at the end of the day, uh, Mexican players aren't as good uh, to beat a team like Argentina. And uh, FMF are my feel so scumbags that will prioritize the Pocho dollars. The U.S. some MLS has succeeded in inflecting the Mexican football. Uh, Hedanan, what you got for us, man? Thanks for hopping on. Yeah, thank you, guys. Um, I, I just hopped on recently. I don't know if you guys uh, had already kind of talked about this, but um, what Joel was uh, speaking about um, before, as far or what both of you guys were talking about, just the competition, the lack of competition that we're going to see in the next four years. Um, you know, I think that that's going to be a, a big testament to the uh, to the failure from, you know, from the very top. Uh, you know, with uh, the Luisa all the way down to Tata with the failure of the national team uh, from all ranks the last, the, you know, the last two years, because um, like you said, we're not going to have a lot. We're going to have a big turnover of players and not having a U20 World Cup, not having uh, Olympics and then not having qualifying all these new players that we're going to be expecting, you know, that we don't know who they're going to be, but we're expecting them to step up and, and develop. They're not going to have that serious competition. And that's what is super alarming as far as, um, you know, if you're looking so, as far ahead as you are saying that this this World Cup is over, but even in that sense where you could have taken advantage of bringing in some guys like Linus and some guys like um, Santa Jimenez who are going to be, um, you know, big part of your, of your uh, core, you know, in the next World Cup, and they are losing out on this experience too. And on top of that, you're leaving guys like, um, you know, Johan Vasquez out uh, on the bench and... Um, you know, other young players that could be getting some experience as well and helping your team because, um, you know, there's no reason that guys like Araujo and, and, and Achiaja should be playing 90 minutes. It's, it's inexcusable when you guys, when you got guys like Vasquez and, um, and Orbelin and other dynamic players at your, um, at your disposal. Playing a devil's advocate here, because you guys keep mentioning the fact that we're not going to be in the, the youth tournaments, like the world cups and, and the Olympics, when we did go and we did win it, you know, in 2005 and then in Mexico, we won it again. Like none of that actually, you know, ascended to, to the national senior level. Like we, we, we haven't really been able to take those youth tournaments and those uh, accolades and convert them into anything that's sustainable or successful at the national team level, at the senior level. So but it's like, it's, it's like, yeah, I, but you know what it is really quick is, is, that you get to see at least four or five guys because ultimately that's right. what it is. Right. Because a lot of them won't. Even going to and, the under 17, there was the golden. I don't know. I think the media the media messed up calling them golden generation because out of all those players, 23, only 11 made it to the under 20. 
And then from the under 20 to the Olympics, was, there were just like five left. And then but once we got to the yeah. to the national team, it was maybe three. I don't, and I don't disagree with with that with that. You know, um, as far as the because it's it's different when you think of you know is it translated to success or has it translated to you know the players that took part in those tournaments being part yeah. of the core. And I think that that's what's important. I don't think that. We're, we we aren't in the we're not in the in the conversation to be talking about translating to uh, success on the world stage because we've never had that quality. But it does translate to the aspect of that's where you're developing your national team players. In 05, that's where you got guys like Vela, you got Chicharito, you got Moreno. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sure I'm missing a few other guys, but yeah. But in 2011, we won it again, and I can't think of one player that yeah, has that was th- that one was that one was you know that who was in that like uh, you had like Pollo. Pollo Briseño and uh, Conejito Brizuela, like those guys, they just didn't end up panning out. But then um, even if you go back to the 2016 Olympics, uh, you know, obviously 2012 was huge, but, and that was the big core of our, of our national team the last 10 years came out of that, out of that, youth, out of that uh, Olympic team. And then yeah, the Olympic you, team you guys are going to offend uh, Joel by not mentioning Carlos Fierro. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was waiting for that name. I was waiting for that name. But, uh, that's, the whole point, that's the whole point of the youth is, is, is you're not going to develop everybody. It's basically a sieve. You're basically just shaking the sieve and then you're trying to, you know, get the, get the, uh, the, those polished stones, you know, you know, the, 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 that. So polished so, turds, but, bro. It's a turd. <laughs> but here's the, but the, the thing with the thing with the, uh, with the youth though, is that it also sets expectations like at the, at the under 17 level at the under 17 those guys know that they can make, uh, they can reach the finals. And, and what I think what they've made the finals, what three out of the last four or four out of the last five. Yes. So, so, yeah. and so the, basically the 20, the tw- the twenties, I'm sorry, team, the 17s and the 23s, they reached what two, two finals in, in, in the Olympics, right? Two out of the last three. Mm-hmm. So when you start setting proper expectations, it's you, you remove that barrier. Yeah. So like once that like once you remove that barrier of the quinto partido, I have no doubt that Mexico will be at least at least a quarterfinalist from from there on out. Yeah. But you have to re, you have to you have to have the manage the you have to manage the expectations. Well, but mm-hmm. before you before that you have to set the expectations. Right. And I think that as we go along, you know, continuing on this, um, as I said, I don't disagree with the with the devil's advocate uh, argument. I think that these youth tournaments when you start talking from the U-17s up to the U-20s, I think they're going to be losing a lot of relevance as we go on because these national teams are getting younger and younger by the day. And we're behind the curve on that. We are. We always have like really good uh, youth teams because for some reason we, we don't, I guess we don't make that um, jump for our, our youth players as early as some other teams do. You know, I hope that makes sense because, you know, when you see some of the teams that, um, that they're playing against in the U20 World Cups and, you know, in the qualification and then in the Olympics. I mean, we got... Dude, like, we have... Spain we just Maine. played with uh, a player that, you know, is uh, half of Guardado's age. Yeah. I mean... And he's yeah, starting. It, yeah. And you look at their... Like, what you said about uh, players translating up to their, um, you know, developing players into their... From their from their youth system into the, into the uh, first team teams like Spain and teams like Brazil and teams like France and, you know, teams like Germany, they, that's actually a, a good problem for them because they're bringing these players in so early 
when we're still relying so heavily on that system. We're over I here celebrating uh, players that have made their fifth World Cup up here, uh, fifth yeah. World Cup, you know? Yeah. It's like yeah. there's something it's, wrong with that. Yeah. It's it, there's there's a uh, there you could you could sit here for the rest of this World Cup and talk about all the issues that um, you know, are internally um um, you know, affecting the 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 national team. I'm gonna say the yeah, last again, time again that that go- Oh, really quick, I just want to say the last time Mexico fielded a very young squad was what seventy eight in the World Cup. I mean, I can't speak on that because I I'm, I was kind of <laughs> hoping on the old heads for this one. <laughs> uh, I mean, my my first World Cup, you know, actually watching was 06. Um, and you know, I can't and- say as far as back, but I'm sure you guys know better than I do on that. <laughs> I would I would defer a little bit on Hoyland and and, uh, and Ron. You you guys have a little bit more of a background, in that. even though I'm older. <laughs> I don't. Ho- Hoyle, you're kind of cutting out. Can't hear you. Hoyle, you need to upgrade to 4G at least. <laughs> Hoyle needs to put some more credits on his metro bill. <laughs> Hey, well, he's, well, he's uh, figuring that out. There you can go. Someone, can, can someone clear up? Um, I never. Is you know, it better? It, it, it kind of got lost in the weeds, but um, the whole Cordoba situation. What was that? Was that just a um, like a him personal? tweeting? No, no, no. Him uh, being off, off, uh, off any consideration. Um, uh, after I don't know if Cordoba was. I mean, this dude fell off, and then he ended up getting his uh, second chance over there at Tigres, but. Apart from having like a, I would say like a decent like season like this season like I think he was pretty much erased from the national team for a while, and like let's be honest in that position we have plenty of options and he wasn't really like up there so when he tweeted that yesterday about oh it's fr- it's it's like frustrating to watch this team I want to be like dude fuck off bro like <laughs> no no he, he wait really quick can you guys that's good Pat though man he wants to be there. You know what? Gordoba is not the answer, guys. No, but what I'm saying is, you 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 increase the roster size by three to 26. If you know if you know you're not gonna have major tournaments between now and 26, Gordoba should have been there. Lainez should have been there. Santiago Jimenez should have been there. Uh, the, 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 The keeper from Santos should have been there. There's no reason to have Talavera there. You guys are missing the the big point here. What does Data have to gain to help this team pass? It's, it's, it's he has no incentive. Tata. He has no incentive to help about, us out. It's not about Data. It's about having those players that are young right now. He doesn't care. This is like he tried to resign, bro. Data has no intentions of, of helping out this national team past his contract date, which is probably after this uh, elimination match against Saudi Arabia or if we get to the round of 16, dude. This guy has no intention of helping us out. And that's where I would have blamed someone that's where I would have blamed someone like Torrado saying, hey, Tata. He got fired. I'm not, I'm, I know that. I'm, I'm saying, but that, that position that should be there right now, that 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 that, that GM, that's the, that's the bridge between the operation and the administration, that's a key position. And that's where you have to be saying, hey, Tata, look, let's just do that. Let's try to do this. I'm not going to pick. He goes, let me pick three players. And you pick the 23, just like you, you pretend those three players didn't exist anymore. But I said, I need to, whether you're going to be here or not, I need to look out for the future of this program. And I want to make sure that at least these three players or four players or whatever 
have you know they're they're going to get the butterflies out and they're going to have the experience of what it is to play in a World Cup or at, at least experience. Point, wait, the but like your job is to hire the for the coach to fire him at that point. If you're telling me like if are you if you if you go out of your way and offer me a contract and you're telling me that I'm in charge of the national team then you give me full authorization and control over the players that I pick. If you're over here saying, "Oh, but you need to include these three players," like you've already fucked up, man. Like I and I think like that's the case. Like you should have known ahead of time. You should have known what kind of coach you were going to get. You should have known the pool of players that could play in that system. And let's be honest, we just don't have the players that can play his system. So why we chose Tata in the first place it doesn't make any logical sense to me. We should have played with a coach. We should have picked a coach that plays to our strengths. And Tata is not it. And he, and he, I get that. I, I I get that, and that's why that's why I want clean house. That's why I want this John project was dead on arrival, guys. John de Luisa definitely needs to be out. He's the biggest person to be at fault for this. And um, another thing too, like you know, we we do like to blame Data a lot, but we also have to blame the players, and and specifically, like we've been ragging on him for a while, but Rohi Menes, bro, like. You have Benzema who like took himself out and said, "No, I need, I need to step out. I'm not going to be 100." percent And Raúl, for some reason, decided to go to the World Cup instead of giving that spot to someone else that could have been a much greater help. And he deserves a lot of criticism. And I mean, he's gotten to the point where he's disabled his comments because he knows he's under a lot of. Uh, Jaime, if you were playing Sunday League and Tata was driving by and he came out and said, "Yo, I want you to play in the World Cup," you know there were players better than you. Would you turn it down? Yeah, bro, especially if I know I'm not 100%. He told me you would turn down a World Cup chance. Dude, if you uh, pulled a groin injury and you're you're not even playing for your club and you're going to take up a spot. Well, medically, medically, he's, like, clean. He's cleared. Medically, uh, he's cleared. I don't know, man. He, I mean, he's been playing more than Funes Morty. I, I, I agree that Raul Jimenez should not have been there, but it should have never been Raul Jimenez's choice to drop himself or not drop himself. He should have just not been called up. And at the same time, we had all this controversy with Santi Jimenez, and we all thought that Raul Jimenez was taking his spot. Funes Mori hasn't even played. Mm-hmm. What was the whole purpose of taking Funes Mori? He, he came back from, from injury too, right? And had one goal with the national team, but it was against Iraq. And also, yeah, I, I didn't think he should have been uh, called up based on that, that he was he was coming back from injury. None of the, none of these guys. Okay, Martin Martin is the only one who was in game shape, but he's also, you know, I think Henry Martin had a great game against Poland. He, yeah, but he's limited, right? Yeah, but I, like I think like if we would have had Funes Funes Mori in there or Raúl, I I think it would have been we would have been a lot worse. I mean, you we saw the glimpse of Raúl in that game, man. He he looked rough out there. He looked like like a. Yeah, that one run where he's like stumbling over yeah, his own feet, right. and he could have yeah, dished it out. Yeah, Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that that I I think I think that that guy you know didn't have anything to pick from. I mean, he certainly could have taken Santi, right? And Santi's a he comes off the bench and everything like that. But that's that's a lot more minutes than than uh, Raúl was getting, right? And then you end up with just two strikers, Martin and, and Santi. Who else was there? Was there available? Jota Jota Macias hasn't panned out. He's injured. There, there's, there's nobody else. And I think that's probably the only reason that he that he uh, brought these guys. But he certainly should have added Santi to the mix. Well, even if he had the roster, it just seems that uh, 
like has been said, Tata was not the ideal person. You know, for a neutral fan, they enjoy watching Mexico play in the World Cup because every time we play against like what's considered powerhouses, we try to go toe to toe with them. Mm-hmm. And you know, it always turns out to be like we play like never before, but lost like always. That has not even been the case this World Cup. Uh, when he came out with that lineup against Argentina mm-hmm. by taking out Edson, uh, not playing with a striker. Uh, where it was clear and pretty obvious you were playing for the draw for the point. Like, you already came out with a losing mentality. You already came out that you're not going to go, uh, you know, toe-to-toe, that you're trying try to be conservative as positive. And then the subs, the subs just ruined it all. E- even the selection, like Guardado, not in shape. And then he gets hurt. And what's your response, putting in Guti when you need a defense? And that would have been Edson. Edson, yeah. And yeah, then, like, your yeah. center backs, your three choices without Ajo, what's what Ajo need to be doing there? If anything, you would have, should have put in Johan, you know, like, send mm-hmm. the right message. Yeah. And then uh, the subs, take out Vega, take out Lozano, and then you put in Antuna <laughs> and a Piojo Alvarado. Yeah. Come on, like, you could have you you changed a different dynamic. If Tata has any shame in this, which I doubt he does, and if he does care you know, has Mexico's best interest at heart. He'll come out with, uh, against Saudi Arabia with two strikers. Just how he's he went from his 4-3-3 and completely changed it to a 5-3-2. Yeah. He needs to come out with a 4-4-2 with Vega and Lozano on the wings mm-hmm. and two strikers up top, whether you want a Funes, Morty, whoever the fuck you want, but you need the two strikers up top and because you need four goals. So try to get show that you, you're going to go out Losing, you know, fighting with the knife between your teeth, or is he gonna come out with his defensive style and try to go get a goal here, a goal there, and pray for the best? I think he's gonna go with the the same lineup he did against Iraq. It was a four three three. Um, you had Araujo, Montes, Moreno, Gallardo, Chavez, Herrera, Cal, uh, Charlie Rodriguez. Probably not Roberto Alvarado. Probably not Piojo. It'd probably be uh, Chucky Lozano, Henry Martin, and Vega. But I expect them to do a four-three-three against um, uh, um, Saudi Arabia, and then depending on the scoreline, he'll probably maybe add another striker. But I doubt it, man. This dude's been very, very pig-headed with his with his lineups. Um, one thing I did want to touch base on because you know this just happened today with Canada. I've been shit talking them this entire time, saying that you know you got you know, they ended uh Concacaf in number one and the in the qualifiers, and everybody was hyping up this country to be. Uh, you know, oh, they're going to do so well in the World Cup. Well, guess what? They're the first country in CONCACAF to get eliminated as of today. And, like, I still see the praise and, like, oh, Canada's playing so well. I'm like, bro, you guys lost both games and you're eliminated. What is there to be proud of? And this is – is this the best CONCACAF can do? This is the best that we can give them? Is is this, bro? It's like it, it, it is embarrassing. Well, I mean, I think it's more embarrassing for the U.S. and Mexico that Canada's the first teams out. But Canada has done given the best performance as of now, especially against Belgium. But like, sometimes the game, you mean like aesthetically? Because they lost, bro. So like, performance wise, is it is it how they play? Is that what you're talking about? Because I mean, I guess it's like nice. It's visually nice to watch. But at the end of the day, man, like their defense was Swiss cheese, and there was a lot of lot of flaws on that team. So like, I I don't understand why everyone's saying that they played well because they didn't. You didn't think they played well against Belgium? They lost, so no. No, but I'm talking about from a playing perspective. I mean, they had way more opportunities than Belgium. Thibaut Courtois was definitely man of the match. I mean, they missed the penalty it, kick. 
if someone wasn't in that match besides Debu, uh, that game could have ended in their favor. Yeah, and they obviously I mean, outperformed the them. Played like trash against England. What's that? The U.S. played like trash against England. And Mexico and people and people will argue that that was a great performance. That that draw that they got against you against England, people like are saying, "Wow, USA really held their own." Um, and it's ugly. It's it's ugly football. But guess what? They're still in the possibilities of making it to the next round, and Canada is not. So I'm also not convinced that like playing well and and losing is is a good thing. Like who are like what would you rather have? Well, I mean, I think instead of like poking holes at Canada, we should just realize it's a CONCACAF thing because in the last 11 World Cup games for CONCACAF, it's about seven goals scored and about 30 conceded. Yeah. So we are pretty much the worst federation um, in the world. And I and I got to give credit to Costa Rica coming back from that. I mean, how do you come back from a 7-0 defeat and then end up winning your next match? I mean, that was that was incredible. Good for them. But overall, obviously, the CONCACAF region has been uh, underwhelming in this World Cup. And I don't know, man. Do, do you guys see any any chances of, of any CONCACAF team getting out of the out of the group stage? I, I, I think I still see uh, the U.S. Because of, uh, what, what do they have, Iran? They have Iran. They're currently in third place with two points, two draws. Iran has a, a win and a loss. They have three points, and England has four. Yeah, I, I could see them getting out. I I, I think uh, I think they could definitely score on Iran. I know that they're they're having a little bit of a goal shortage as well, but I think I think I think Iran's the the right the right team for uh, for a slump buster there. I don't know. I disagree with that. I actually think Iran's gonna beat them or get the draw because I mean Iran moves on with. Uh, the draw as well, correct? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Iran's a well-coached team. Of you, I think just like Costa Rica, that first game was a total accident, the ones against England. But once you played Wales, you saw more of their true side. Like I said, last World Cup, they tied against Portugal. They lost 1-0 to Spain. And I think they beat Morocco or something like that. Uh, and they have the same coach. They have the same foundation from the last World Cup. Uh, I think that first game was just a combination of everything that's going back, going on in their home country, plus such an offensive team that England was. But uh, I haven't seen anything from the U.S. to say that they, they're going to go out there and, like, trounce uh, Iran. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, man. <laughs> it should be a good one. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy with um, Jürgen Klinsmann saying some shit about Iran and their culture and how, like, they, you know, they played a – to foul all all game and yeah he he definitely took a poke at Iran and Kiros was not happy about that and uh, asked for his resignation so there's a lot of beef going on that might inspire the Iranian team to to beat US uh next match but again guys like you know it's not the end of the world i i, I am confident that Argentina can pull at least you know two three goals against Poland and and Mexico should have the firepower to to get a couple of goals against Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia has to win this match. You know, like they're it's in their best interest to go out there and try to and try and do what they did against Argentina. So there's gonna be a lot of exploitation in this match. And I think we're we're finally gonna see the Mexico side that we've been waiting for. I'm confident, guys. Like I, I, I like again, everything's according to plan. Like tie against Poland, loss against Argentina. You go all out against Saudi Arabia and see who comes out at the end. 
Man, I'm praying for Poland to upset Argentina. I'm just praying for it. It's not going to happen, bro. Hey, you've seen this World Cup. There's been a lot of surprising results. I will say the most frustrating thing about uh, yesterday's game is, let's be honest, man, those first couple minutes, in fact, that first half, Argentina were nervous, shaky. They kept messing up some passes. DePaul was like a freaking tronco, man. I was like, yo, if any other coach had balls and would have like tried to go for the uh, go for the kill against Argentina, like we could have upset them tremendously. We could have exploited that. But in the end, we we gave them too much respect. We played too defensively. And and the saddest part is it's like you, you go for the draw, you go to like not concede goals, and you end up still conceding two goals. So it's like all for naught. You know, I would have much rather seen Mexico go toe to toe. Maybe maybe get a couple of goals, um, but at the end of the day, it would have been it would have been a lot better of a display. And I think we had I think we had Argentina, bro. In that first half, we had them. It was just a lack of firepower. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think that's what brings the team down. That you went out so defensively, because at the end of the day, your defense can only hold so much. I mean, Mexico's defense held through like for seventy percent of the game. But if your offense is not helping them by giving them a break, but putting in some goals, then, you know, at the end of the day, uh, whoever goes out to for a draw most of the time winds up losing. Uh, and even if, you know, if we were to play more offensively, uh, even if we were to lose like two to one, it kind of like leaves you, leaves you with like a good taste of like, OK, we almost had him. We could have beat him. We scored a goal. But now we're sitting here where we have four consecutive World Cup games without scoring a goal. Uh, Tata Martino coaching seven World Cup games. Five of those games, uh, his teams have not been able to score. And now you're going into the third game of the group stage where you need to score two, three, four goals. Yeah, I, I think a lot of this has to do with, like like you said, the morale of the team, the confidence. And if you're a player and you're not sure what the coach is trying to, you know, the kind of style he's trying to implement or or what exactly – he has in store for you. Like, how can you go out there and, and feel confident that you can get the get the job done? And I think uh, Tata went out there and he like contradicted his entire system and his entire like I don't know way of playing. And uh, I've been enjoying these uh, the TV shows on through the end with like all the coaches and stuff. It's been it's been a breath of fresh air watching like La Volpe and Jimmy Lozano. You had. Um, Vasco and Cameronesi and Cameronesi all that. Cameronesi and um, Larcamon. It's been Pelaz, though, man. That guy's guy's a clown. <laughs> but, well, uh, man. We're at the... Uh, what we're... happened? Getting mad? <laughs> I, I want to give my hot take really quick. Yes. I might mean, not get a chance. Because, again, we started getting this this talk about export more players. Send more players, actually. Send more players abroad. And I'm like, it's not going to happen. It's not going to work the way we think it's going to work because we're seeing the results. Linus has been in Spain, what, three years? He's not better for it. He's not even in the team. And we've seen it with other players that go in. Pulido went two years, played 14 games. He wasn't better because he was in Greece. Right? They weren't teaching him shit. So... You need a big amount of, like, so we'll compare it to Argentina. They export 500 players a year. We're nowhere near that. Mexico's nowhere near that to try to do something similar. 
they have about 120 players in their league who has 28 teams. So that means their rules are like five players, five foreigners per team, but you can only field three at a time. So the most players that you could see foreigners starting, it's going to be six. And I bet if you watch a lot of games, you won't see that very often. It's usually one or two per squad. <clears throat> and that's, that's sort of where Mexico is failing, where it's like, we're the opposite, right? It's like eight, nine foreigners per team. So that means way less chances for youth. And what little youth you have, you want as soon as that they show something, send them abroad, because that's going to make them better. You know, that, that line of thinking is not there because the teams that buy those players, they're not buying them to make them better. They're buying them because they feel they could contribute something to the to the club, right? We get confused because it's like the Dutch teams would do that, right? Especially the smaller ones like Avitese, they'll get some young talent, polish it and sell it in within two years. But majority of clubs, they're not buying to do that. They're not trying to do that. They're not trying to sell players. They're trying to win um, tournaments and whatnot. So I think I think a lot of that that whole mentality of sending abroad is kind of it's um what's well, not well thought of I would say. They don't they don't it hasn't been thought all the way through. Well, I mean, we have the argument that Mexico has fallen off since we left Copa America, Copa Libertadores, and, like, competing at that stage. So if you're not giving your players at home that those opportunities, might as well send them abroad where they could play Europa League, Champions League. But uh, they're not playing that. Tournaments, you you're you're just assuming that they will play, but they're not. Look at Pulido. It's the last year that they didn't even, they didn't even sign him up for the for whatever tournament um, – Olympiacos was in. Okay, well, that, you can address the situation. How come they're not playing? How come the guys we are sending over there are failing? That that can be uh, discussed, and we, that can be looked for solutions. Numbers. That. But when they send them over there, and if they do start participating, and they do start playing on those... I know, we're sending very little, though. You can't send four or five players and think they're all going to make it. So you're comparing that to Argentina, sending 500. I'm not comparing Deco, it to Deco anyone. Has, I'm saying I'm it's saying that, but, but I'm but I'm using it because that's a point of reference. So, for example, they could send 400 players. They could all suck. But if they get out of those 500 and they get like 20, 30, they're in those top teams, there you go. Now they have a good team. But Max sending, what, one or two players a year, having about 12, half of those not even starters, it, it, that that's, that's not going to work. And that's been the... That's what they've been doing since what ninety since maybe two thousand early mid two thousands. You need to send more players, more. You have to say way more, not not the number they're sending now. They have to send like four times, what whatever they're sending now. That started once uh, Guardado and Pato and all those guys started going out. I, I don't have an issue with with players, uh, you know, going out to uh, picar piedra, right, uh, out in Europe if they want. But I do think we have an issue uh, in the domestic league, and, and I think that's the part that needs to get fixed. I think we we got to find a way to get the uh, the Mexican player to be able to play in Mexico to start <laughs> before yeah, people what, start thinking about exporting. No other, yeah, no no other place is going to give them the chance that 
their own league. And that's what you see with like Uruguay, Argentina, Brazil. They play their own players. And and by the time those players get to a certain age, they're full of experience. Oh, we've been lucky with some of our players because look at Vela. They never gave him a good chance at Arsenal. Kept sending them from team to team. I think he's for, he had that talent that he was able to to flourish. But another player would have been lost because they just kept moving him around. Same with Raul Jimenez. He he ended up fortunate that they put him in, in a, you know, because Atletic wasn't going to give him much of a chance either. He would have been back home with his tail between his legs. And he had a pretty good agent and ended up at Wolves where he had a great career. So, and that's kind of what we see with a lot of these players. Ulises Davila, Chelsea takes them. What do they do? They start sending them from all these small clubs. And then he comes back to, and then, you know, if I'm to believe that going over there makes you better, he comes back to Liga MX, can't hack it at Santos. Where he goes to MLS, ended up in Australia, yeah, I think. He goes in uh, New Zealand, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but I think he came back to, to Santos first. No, he did. But... He did go back to Santos, like, on a trial, or but... Or he might have put, played with the season, but yeah. He didn't even hack it. Cudinho, another one, goes to Portugal. <clears throat> Casillas, the main keeper. Am I supposed to believe he's going to, he's there for what, two years? He's going to come back the better player? Can't even win the starting spot at Chivas. Chivas doesn't even have players. He can't even hold the spot there. Uh, look, I'm not against so, sending. So I'm not against sending players to Europe. Obviously, there there have been some that panned out, but they were well thought out projects, right? When you think about like yeah. Javier Hernandez, Irving Lozano, like these were well thought out projects. You could tell that the that the club that's taking them is is very vested in in the success of this player, and you have players like Alexis Vega, right? This dude is uh, this dude's not even at like his full peak yet. And, you know, Camarenzi said, like, this guy can play anywhere. Like, I'm not just talking, like, oh, go to Holland or whatever. Like, this guy can literally play in any top league. And and that means a lot coming from a World Cup winner, Camarenzi. And he says, like, it's not about just, like, sending players to Europe. Like, where specifically? You know, he's like, you guys got to be more specific. You guys keep talking about, like, the fifth game and, and talking about, like, we need to send more players to Europe. But, like, if you don't have an actual game, you know, an actual, like, plan, like, hey, this is how you get from point A to point B, like – we're all just like grasping at straws here. You know what I mean? There needs to be an actual plan in place and that has to come from the top. And when it comes to like finding out the next coach for, for the next cycle, you have to factor in all this stuff, right? What does Mexico do well? Like what kind of players do they produce really well? And, and so far it's been wingers, right? Like we have really good wingers and those are the players that we can consistently produce. Like, well, we need to have a coach that plays to the strengths of that. And like, there needs to be like a larger plan in place but we're over here running around like headless chickens because we're so focused on on the money and how much revenue we can bring in, having all these like friendlies and having all these deals with the MLS. It's like they're so focused on the money that they're not thinking about the bigger picture and like actually having a plan in place. And I feel like every yeah. four, every four years, it's just like we we kind of start from like you you can't just like start from scratch every four years, bro. You have to have a longer like plan in place. You got to start thinking about a eight year cycle or whatever. You can't just, like, say, oh, well, well, Tata sucks, and then bring in, like, Almada because he's the flavor of the week. And, well, yeah, they, and, they, put, and, they put all the hopes on the coach. Yeah. Like, why? But look, look, just really quick, going on what you're saying, because I feel they devalued the league because we, if you see all the achievements the national team had had, they came from, from the homegrown talent. 
right? Anything from the Olympics to the two under 17 and the Copa Confederaciones, and even playing two Copa America, getting all the way to the final uh, runner up. And, and well, when they played in that tournament, also even um, finishing in like semifinals, like three times, I believe. Um, and, and just more to note, even on Mex's very first participation in Copa America, they made the final. That was the first time playing that tournament. And with the teams were fielding their best players. So it's, it's always thinking like we have to go abroad or we have to look abroad. And then not realizing everything that they have at home that has proven good. So I think they devalued the league when they started like filling them with a lot of foreigners, a, lot, a majority are petardos. I'm not against bringing in, but you don't need 10. You could have four or five that are really good. That's it. I don't know if some of these clubs have, like you could look at the rosters. They'll have players that they won't even get to play. It's it's the, co- the cost of the player, man. It's what it comes down to, money again. Yeah, but also like they're using it to, to lavar dinero. That has to be said too. That's one of the big incentives of like, they'll buy a player from somewhere and then they'll, raise his price and then sell him, sell him in quotations, you know, because the, the club buying them doesn't have to really be buying them. <laughs> and there's the transaction made in there. You, you successfully have washed the money. There's a lot of proof of this having happened. So I'm not conspiracy theory or anything. It's, it's been well documented. So I think that's that clubs or agents getting overly greedy where it's like, well, instead of five foreigners, let's make it 10. And and then they're holding them to, you know, the clubs are holding on to all those players. And yeah, it's, it's hurting all the all this young talent that could be there getting some playing time. They're just not seeing it anymore, which is goes back to what Jaime said about the 2011 uh, under, what was it, under 17? Under 17. They all disappeared. They all disappeared. None of them really got a chance. La momia is like it, painting houses. There was, there was nowhere. <laughs> he's a he's a This dude's not even playing <laughs> soccer anymore, bro. You ask him to a cascarita, dude, while he's painting. What happened to Chaton Enriquez? You know, <laughs> this dude's like playing in like the sixth division somewhere. Dude, like, but, but he became an influencer on Instagram. <laughs> uh, we do have Ricardo. Uh, he hopped on. I don't know if he wants to say something or he's on he's on mute right now. But he, he, how are we well, doing? Going back to oh. uh, how are we doing today? Real real quick, I had I had to hop on because this is Hoyle's worst hot take yet. <laughs> Just, just I said in the comments, it's just like uh, what Pauly Shore said in Encino Man, one of my favorite movies. Hot on the outside and icicle in the middle, man. It's a bad hot take. So let me get this straight. You want Mexican players to stay in Liga MX with the repechaje, with the impending Leagues Cup coming, with no international uh, tournaments whatsoever, Instead of trying, yes. and, and you and you just mentioned the the business inside the business that is Liga MX and the foreign players that is it going to stop? And you still want and the second division that that doesn't give the Mexican players any chance whatsoever. 
just like the first division. And well, you but, still but now you're talking team. about the ones. But see, the ones leaving are the ones that are playing the most. So like Kalinas, I do feel if he would have stayed, he would have been better off because he would have been a key player. I even feel he would have guided America to a league title. So I well, think he, he's that well, good. He helped out he, one. He, and I think he could have helped the second time. But what he, what he went to Betis, sat on the pine. I'm here supposed to believe that because he's in Europe. He's getting better and learning the game. They sent him to Portugal. He can't even win the starting spot there. So okay, what are you well, doing? What You're about wasting Alvarado? your talent. Why, why is he on the national team then? What argument does he, does he have? Marketing. No. Martin, exactly. <laughs> guys, I want you guys to, 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 to pay attention to something. The argument that sending to Europe is the answer, if you guys truly believe that, then explain to me Colombia, Paraguay, Peru, Ghana, Ivory Coast, Nigeria, Cameroon. I can name you other teams that have that have players or that have had players or, or rosters stacked with quote-unquote world-class and elite players playing in the best leagues, playing day in and day out in Champions League, Europa League, stuff like that. That does not equal World Cup success. There's one, there's one little ingredient in, that, in, that, in those teams that have constantly World Cup success. That's a strong domestic league a, a league that can attract its that can attract well, not only attract but retain its best players and and, and 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 basically pick and choose players from around the world that's constant with every team that that is consistently always winning or at least contending for the world cup the stuff about having sending having the entire roster in europe having the entire roster playing in in in, in, in champions league and stuff like that that does not equal World Cup success. There's been many teams that crash in the first round, having these these scenarios that the people make you believe that no, oh, no, it's it's got to be Europe. You got to have them play day in day out, having them in Europa League, having them in Champions League. Sorry, I don't buy that. I don't buy it either. But what I'm what I was trying to say is, I think the I think the problem is the league is a problem, not so much that they're sending them to Europe. These kids aren't getting a chance to to play like you guys said. And I don't think and I and another main issue is I think Mexico has a serious development problem. They don't know how to develop players. Me, Jaime, you mentioned before. What what you what do you always say about what you hate about the Liga MX? The lateral passes, right? Mm-hmm. And backward passes. Like when when's the last time you seen someone in Liga MX uh do like a uh a, a precise a, a thick, not even tiki taka, a precise vertical pass or a thorough pass, or thorough ball. Like let's be honest, that doesn't happen Wait, much. Does Pachuca play but like here, that? But here, here's here's the thing: Are we trying to develop players? Or are we trying to build a team? Because those are two different things. Well, wait, really quick, because I, I don't. The whole they don't develop players. Come on, come on, Ricardo. What? How how'd you win? You know, Olympic you know, medal you know, you know, and two know. under seventeen. How, how do you win with those you underdeveloped know. players? How do, how do you beat teams like Brazil? How does no, that don't, happen? You don't. You don't. <laughs> no, you, don't you don't remain a, a top sixteen team for thirty years without developing good players. You know. Well, I mean, look, look at Pardo, Pavel Pardo, Ricardo Sorio. They go to the Bundesliga already, fully developed in Liga MX, 
and they helped Stuttgart win the, the league title. Well, I, I, like I, I've told you this, and you've known this, Holy. I, I don't ever, I don't believe in the notion that you got to go to Europe to prove your worth. That you have to somehow make it over there to validate that you're an, an elite player or at least a world class player. Yeah, okay? that, that that's our reason. It got just sold out, sold on us, and it's mainly because like all the Euro teams started buying up all the South American talent. But but before they were loaded with that, you would see the South American teams beating the Euro teams, the top Euro teams. But but then and then you have like the oil money, of course, and so you have these super teams, and and you know, players going for upwards of 120 million. You know, it's like very exaggerated. And then the other thing that people aren't seeing is like teams that they lost their identity. You have English teams that aren't really English and, and yeah. they're owned by foreigners. They're owned by like, oh, someone, GTA, um, you have, you, you see that. And I think that's kind of sad to see that, um, hello? Yeah, we can yeah, hear you. Can hear okay, you guys <laughs> are listening. Um, We're hanging on to yeah, every you, word, bro. Thank you, sir. Well, you seem that they're losing all that identity. Like some of these teams aren't really what they used to be. They, the owners are from some other country and the teams are filled with, like, what was that one English team that won? And I think only the goalkeeper was English. Are you talking about Leicester City? Uh, maybe? I don't know. No, I forgot. I think it was Chelsea, one of those teams. But I mean, it's it's way different from, you know, because I, I get it, football changes, but it used to be, you you know, it, each team's had their identity, they had their own style. You kind of don't see that no more. Well, speaking of the English teams, uh, the Premier League, you know, has a great amount of foreigners, but also has a great amount of English players starting. The majority of the players aren't on the English squad. They play for the top teams in the Premier League, which is considered to be the most entertaining league in the world. How come that has only translated to England winning one World Cup, which it hosted? In 66, before, before it was what it was now. They didn't even right? broadcast in color back no, then. There was an interview. There's, if you Google it or on YouTube, there's a video. There's a, there's a, uh, a video where you have uh, Rio Ferdinand, uh, Gerard, uh, Lampard, and they're talking about how, you know, throughout the, the 2000s, they basically had the, mo the best midfield players in the world, England, playing for the top teams that were always, you know, Paul Scholes. right there, you know, you have, you have, you have Pop Scholes, you know, Scholes. Uh, you know, Gerard. your goals, you get Gerard, Lampard, Terry, you know, playing in top teams, you know, making, you know, playing in finals of, of you know, uh, winning premierships, winning, you know, uh, Champions League. And they were asking them why that, why that didn't translate success, yeah. you know, translate into, into the, into the national team. And they were, and they were, you know, being blunt and they were being honest. They're saying, look, you know, it's like they weren't, they didn't really enjoy the national team. They they kept to themselves. There was there were still those rivalries within you know the the, the club that uh, that you know kind of got that, that got into into the uh, into uh, you know into the national team. And it's like and I and I've I've seen like two interviews where they talk about this. And one of them it's like well you know when I think they were talking about the the, the Brazilians, like those Brazilian players, you know every chance they got to go you know back to Brazil and play with and be with their national team. It was like a big family. 
yeah, it was just they would just enjoy they loved each other. They, they enjoyed being with each other. They enjoyed training with each other. And that's what those guys were saying, that when they would go into the English camps, it was it was just business you know, as usual. It's, it's, it's just a transaction. It's funny that you bring that up and you mention that because the same thing happened in Spain, man. There was a huge rivalry between, uh, obviously, Real Madrid and Barcelona. And at its peak, when Mourinho was there, he would get inside the head of he, – he, they admitted, like, dude, he got into our heads. Like, we would go play with the national team, and we, we wouldn't interact with, like, Barcelona players, like – it was that big of a rivalry that, like, Asias and, and Piquen, like, you know, there was, like, players that just legitimately didn't like each other back then when Mourinho was in charge of Real Madrid. Um, but Spain Mexico was like that. And, and Spain, <laughs> Spain, for some Mexico reason, though, like they, they uh, I mean, they went back. They, they won they won a Euro, a World Cup, and then another Euro during that time. So, I mean, I don't know how they put their differences aside and got, got shit done, but, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Mexico. In the yesteryears, Mexico was like that. It was basically the the, guy, the people from the capital and the people from the provincia. They would stick, to, you know. They would, you know, they would, you know, they would stick, you know, stick together. They would. They didn't want to basically be with the other side. Yeah. You know? So let me guys but, let, no, let me ask you guys a question now that we're hour twenty in. Your next coach for the national team does he have to be Mexican? Yes or no? Yeah. No, just he he needs to know the league inside and out. My choice, I want La Volpe back. And it's funny because I didn't want him the first time. Yeah, he's been killing it on the Maestros show, man. I've been enjoying that quite a bit. He, he... Uh, just for the past, your past couple of years, I've, I've just, I've really enjoyed it. And I've, and I've said this to you guys before. I, I, don't see the, I don't see the next crop of coaches, whether they're foreigners or not, that, that are more coaches than managers. Like, you know, Tuca Ferretti, eh, yo no soy director, yo soy, yo, yo soy entrenador. Meaning they're like, more, I, not, they're I'm, less I'm, tactical? I'm, I'm, or what do you mean? Meaning that, they're, that, that they're, they have the piss and fire in their eyes to basically be on on the field, on the pitch, day in, day out, and going through, you know, going through the, the routines, you know. And, well, yeah, and just you, you have that, that video of him showing them how to kick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that. I, don't, I, yeah. know, I mean, really, the only guys that I see like that still... And they're very few. It's like you know, like Piojo. But what I'm saying is, I, I don't see that that crop that we had before, you know, 20 years ago, where you had Vuce, you know, Vucetich, you had Tuca, you had La Puente, you had La Volpe, you had a, you know, you had a bunch of these, you know, these coaches that were that that were more coaches than managers. So what's the difference? You know, and, what's the difference? Well, like, how would you define like, a coach, and then how would you define like a manager? Well, I mean, the, the, the manager is basically managing the entire, you know, in, in terms of he's, he's, he's still talking to the front office. He's trying to build the team and, and stuff like that. Whereas the coach, he's the one that's basically in the details of, 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 of basically the, 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 the operation is like how his team's going to function. He's on like the front that. lines with a the team. Of, a lot of managers will also delegate and mm. they won't run the practice. They'll have their assistants or whatnot running the practice. And so a yeah. lot of times the coach, he's right there. Sometimes he'll even play, you know, not not the full on game, but he's like right right up in the player's ass, telling him. I mean, like, you know, when I the few times that I went to a La Volpe, you know, practice session, the guy was there. You know, and like you know when when you know when, when I used to live in Houston and like back in Inter, you know, like you know even in the in the Copa in the Copa Preses, 
Prepe Libertadores, like, you know, what, used to, what would become the, uh, the Interliga, you would see, like, you know, I would go into those practice sessions, you know, like, uh, like very young, you know, Miguel Herrera, uh, uh, Ruben Omar Romano and stuff like that. And, and you would see which coaches would, would, you know, basically like Holy said, would delegate, you know, the activities and which ones would be right there, just, you know, grinding it out with the players, you know, stopping with the whistle, making sure, you know, just doing things on repetition, you know, no one time after another. And, and like I said, I, I just, I don't, I, 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 I don't know if Mexico, the, the league has those type of coaches anymore. I think right now what we have is a lot of, you know, a lot of coaches, uh, relying on, on sabermetrics. Well, well, you, you can see it sometimes in how they are dressed because a lot of times you will see Tuca on, with shorts and cleats. Yeah. <laughs> at, his, at his old age, you will see him in the whistle and you see some of these other guys and they're wearing jeans. Oh, know, they're wearing suits. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not knocking, I'm not knocking technology yeah, down same. and stuff like that. But I, I even posted, I even posted uh, a clip of uh, Riquelme, you know, talking about... You know what the hell is that thing in the back? That bra thing, you know. Yeah. And it's like, like oh yeah, that thing. The tracking you know, thing. That, yeah, the tracking, the geo tracker and stuff like that. What does that really tell you? And he's just, you know, just going off about this. So what if you run five five kilometers? What does that mean that you you played well? And he's just going, you know, he's basically just you know talking shit about that. But I mean, well, you, those type of things. But here's the thing, place. though, you have it to. It has a place. I'm not knocking on yeah. it. It, it. It has a place. But I still, I still think that that the co, I, I still prefer a coach over a manager, and I, and honestly, for 2026, uh, you know, my first coach, my first option would actually be La Volpe. Second coach would be Piojo. Oh God, I would not want Piojo anywhere near the national team anymore. That guy's. It's funny. The, the last, the last, you know, the last. In fact, who was it? I think it was uh, Roberto from ESPN. What's his name? Junco Gomez or whatever. I mean, I kind of have to agree with him that the the, the best the best uh, uh, World Cups for Mexico were was 2014 and in in 98. So it was one was La Puente. I think La Puente is too old now. I I don't think he. Nah, he's he too has, old. He, he's too old. He's, he doesn't have that pissing you know. Piss he's and a fire director right anymore. now, like sporting director now. What does he do? No, now? he he does he, he does, he's a pundit now. He's uh, a pundit. That's what they all but do. I think those those were the two World Cups with the most goals scored. There was just yeah. a chance La, La Puente, La Puente, always known to be the def, the defensive coach, is still the is still had the team that pr, uh, that produced uh, the most goals for Mexico, and it's funny he went, he didn't take Hermosillo, which he got heavily criticized for. He took uh, Pelaz. Pelaz. Yeah, he took Pelaz. You know? Yeah, eight and, goals and, in '98. You, you can argue that Hermosillo was in a better better position right like he was yeah 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 but you know yeah but i i don't know i mean i i just think that uh, right now like i said my i would really love to see uh la volpe back there just grinding it out giving giving him you know uh giving him the 23 giving him the oh i mean really there's no 23 anymore but just Get him working with, with with the youth. Get him working with the uh, with the team because, like I said, I I don't know how else that Mexico is going to do in 2026 without having, um, you know, important tournaments other than the Nations League and, and the World Cup. I'm sorry, the the Gold Cup. Yeah, one thing, uh, and Ricardo mentioned this on the YouTube chat. Thanks for for hopping on, Ricardo. Uh, as far as like, we're still in the stone age time. And we have to admit that the, the game of football has changed and it's more modern now. 
and it's there's a lot of data, a lot of uh, statistics, a lot of stuff that you know they they literally hire like like uh, analysts for just to see uh, certain things that you can tweak. Uh, it's a lot more tactical. The players are a lot more technical. You can't just say, "Oh, go go out there and play with balls." Like that, that, that kind of shit doesn't work anymore. You actually, you actually have to have like a legitimate game plan, and and you have to have these matchups, and you have to, you have to watch film, and you have to study your opponent. And obviously, like a big, uh, like Juan Carlos Osorio was very good about doing stuff like that. Um, so I think like for the next cycle, I I just want someone that's young. It's got fresh ideas and isn't scared to go out there and and just like go for it all, you know. And and I think that's Osorio, what you want, what you are describing. That that was Osorio. Yeah, and he, and he did a great job. I, he got I, criticized. I, I think he. No, 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 no. He he's the type of guy that relied on on saber metrics, and got his shit pushed in. I think the part yeah, where he think... where he was exposed was against Sweden. I think that's the only time, yeah. you know, but. No, he got he got exposed by Sweden. He got exposed, and and, and here's the thing with Brazil. Uh, with Brazil, what 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 he what basically Mexico did uh, against Argentina what, uh, yesterday, that's what he did with Brazil. He 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 showed them way too much respect. Way too much respect. He played. Well, he he, played he, not- he lost the and the, the players will admit he lost the locker room after the Sweden match. After that game, it was over. So, so- so that that like that's why I'm saying is I'm I'm not knocking on that on the on the data and the, and the modern stuff like that. But, but I also felt I, like I, 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 I felt like he could have learned from that mistake and we could have had him for another another cycle. I think I think he deserved an eight year cycle and he didn't get it. I don't know if it was his decision because I, I I'm pretty sure they offered him the job and I don't think he wanted it. No, I think he said it was his decision. Yeah, I think in one of those episodes of Football Picante he said that. That's one of his regrets is that he, he didn't stay for the next four years. Yeah. Just because of things panned out. Because like him. you could have you could have you could have learned from your mistakes. You could have made adjustments and he had he still had the players like on his side and everything. So I, I do think that was like a big big issue going with Tata. I don't even know why we, La, why La, we picked La, him in the first place. Should, La Volpe should have gone should should have he's the one that should La Volpe or La Puente, either of those two should have been given the site. Well, I mean, La Puente, La Puente never had a full cycle. Okay? Neither did Aguirre. No, neither, neither did Aguirre and stuff like that. So, I mean, yes, La Volpe had a good cycle, but one thing I do credit him for, and keep in mind, I didn't want him the first time around, but one thing I will, I, I will, you know, I have to give him recognition for this, is that he, he, he imposed a style that mm-hmm. was clear and concise. You knew this what you knew what you were play. getting. That's, that's, exactly. This is how we're going to do it. And 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 you know he he tried to play to the strengths of the team. Uh, and I and I respect that. Even though I didn't want him the first time, I I, I still wanted La Puente, believe it or not. I thought uh, that I thought back then that that and, and and to a certain point, I even blamed uh, La Puente, uh, La Volta for this because he he also spoke out. You know, talking. You know, in a way, he was kind of basically throwing. You know, the, you know these these little insults, you know, towards La Puente, but because back then the gold cup didn't really mean anything. And when Max and when La Puente lost the gold cup to Canada in 20 and 2000, it's like, they tried to make it like a big deal. And it really wasn't, the gold cup wasn't really a big deal, but they used that loss to basically uh, kick in, kick, you know, kick out La Puente and his people. And at the time, if you recall, 
Lebrija wanted to bring in, he wanted to take control of the national team, bring in Ojitos Mesa and bring in his people. So there was like, there was a lot of, you know, there was a power struggle there. So, and, and but La Volpe kind of played into that and also was also criticizing La Puente for losing the, the gold cup, which back then it didn't mean shit. Yeah. You know, it's like Ugo got fired for, you know, not qualifying to the Olympics and it wasn't really his fault. No, yeah, but here's the thing. As much as I like Ugo, sometimes... He would have been a saying, terrible coach. <laughs> no, no, no. Sometimes you just, you got to keep your ego in check and you got to keep your mouth in check. Do you know who you're talking you to, know? bro? It's Ugo Sanchez. Ugo Sanchez playing to... videos of him doing bicycle kicks. That's his warm-up. His, his, his... What he should have done, what he should have done, what he should have done is pretend that he's coaching Real Madrid, because you have to, you just can't, you 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 just can't act out. You can't, you know. And sometimes, and sometimes, and that's probably one of the reasons why he he has never been offered. He you know he hasn't been the offered the job for Real Madrid is because sometimes you just gotta shut up. As as much as as much as like I mean that's why that's why they got rid of Mourinho. They just couldn't. You know, they, yeah. they, it came to a point where you know what, it's not worth it. You, you're, you're coaching the best club in the world. You need to act like it. Well, and, see, and, that, well, that? and, and I, wa I wanted La Volpe to come back after that, that first cycle because I, I liked listening to him because the guy would talk uh, soccer, his, his style, all that stuff in interviews. And he also had a big mouth. But I wanted him to come back. But I knew at that point they had decided, we're going to give it to Hugo, see if we can get him to shut up. <laughs> and, of course, they didn't, and, and so they canned him. But... Uh, La, Volpe, La Volpe was somebody I wanted to return to the. Uh, there's, there's one thing that, that La Volpe thing should that be given the youth teams. He should be given charge of the youth uh, forces básicas for the national I agree. team. Uh, he's always done wonders with canteras and bringing out players. Uh, whether when he was at Medica or wherever, uh, he'd be the ideal guy. He'd be like the what Peckerman uh, was to Argentina. Uh, La Volpe can 100% do that but yeah there's no way he should be the national team coach because at the end of the day he does he does not have the best people management skills as far as his knowledge yeah. and like putting a style and having an eye for like youth players he'd be perfect to take over that department mm -hmm. he, he's but he's between between La Volpe from the 90s to how La Volpe managed America recently I can tell the difference of how he has changed. I will say this: Is he still handing started, asking for uh, happy endings? No. When I when I started when I started covering you know soccer and I started going to press conferences and stuff like that, and that's kind of like really what woke me up to to how crappy the press is and you know how just the, the press in general. But 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 in this particular case, we're talking about the Mexican sports press is is just how. You know the, the the reporters and stuff like that. They're, a bunch of them are pieces of shit. I mean, let's just—I'll I'll be honest. They—they because they, because uh, I would sit in in a presser and I would listen to everything, and I'd listen to the questions and I'd see how they respond and how you know, for example, Lavoisier would respond, and how he would respond wasn't really or what he'd say wasn't you know the way it, it would just be misreported. It would be clickbait. And keep in mind, this was what, what 2003, 04, 05, 06. So, yeah, the internet, you know, at that point, that's where you started. I mean, you didn't even have really social media then. 
but you, I mean, you had a lot of websites and stuff like that. So a bunch of these people were just trying to do just nothing but clickbaits and clickbaits, and they and they would just try to get the most juiciest little spin on something. And you know, and that's kind of like when you started to realize, you know what, Lavope really isn't that. You know, it's not like he's looking for this. You know, it's not, it's like they're provoking him. And and that and that was true for Ugo. That was true for you know for for Chepo and stuff like that. So, but my, I guess the point that I'm trying to make is that La Volpe now is a little wiser than he was before because, like I said, I thought he handled himself with America, you know, in terms of if press. I thought he handled himself well, you know. Okay, um, but he doesn't have no longer the qualifications to be a national team coach. The best. In what, in what, in what regards? In what regards? Knowledge, I think. In terms of knowledge of the game, I, I don't see any. I don't see too many people in Mexico that 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 can out, out, outsmart him. In, in terms of, of football, he, he knows his shit, bro. No, so in fact, yeah, there was there was Pasarela taking over Pasar- systems. Pasar- I, I remember uh, uh, watching an interview with Pasarela, uh, and and he was talking about just how. Is it's almost like he has, you know, La Volpe has autism when it comes to football tactics, where where La Volpe was trying to get, was trying to 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 get uh, wanted to get something squared away in, ter- in terms of uh, some tactical, you know, play or whatever, and and he ran into and he ran into Pasarela. I, I don't remember where or whatever, and he asked him a question, and Pasarela or whatever he basically said, you know, like hey, we'll, we'll talk later, blah blah blah. And totally forgot about it. And then on the way back, like two, three hours later, La Volpe is right there waiting for him. And he's like, oh, shit, totally forgot about you. And he's just he, and he wanted to talk and, and, and iron out those like those tactical details and stuff like that. So it's like I, I, that's that's where I, I, I see. I don't see a lot of Mexican coaches with that sort of uh, I, I, I guess that drive to really understand th- just the basics you know, uh, you know, what's his name? Pep Guardiola. You know, when when he was talking about La Volpe, he's like, man, there's this guy in Mexico that he basically in in his uh, in his camps. It's like it, it, he's it's, it's almost like he's in, in kinder school. I mean, he goes through he goes through plays. He goes through you know uh, practice sessions. He'll stop the entire you know session to making sure that whatever they're doing. It gets executed the way he wants it, and and I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like as old as older as I get, I appreciate that because I, because I don't see like I said, I don't see too many coaches like that anymore. I think right now, I think right now, everybody wants to be the next you know coach, you know, like you know modern type of coach with sabermetrics and data analytics and blah blah blah, and they're trying to rely on on technology rather than than on a system. Yeah, I mean it's there. There are tools at your disposal that weren't previously there, and maybe you can have your assistant coach kind of decipher that that analytics and data. Um, but yeah. yeah, but I agree, man. Like I said, it's been very refreshing to see him on on Maestros on on through the end. This dude's like breaking oh, out. Yeah. This dude's like breaking out everything and and talking about and like you see like the younger coaches like Jimmy and and Larcamon, They're just like taking notes, bro. They're like, holy shit, this guy knows so much. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been refreshing to to see La Volpe. Uh, so, uh, thirty minutes. What was the question? 
<laughs> one thing that they uh one thing that they mentioned that I thought was interesting is like uh like during like the next coach that you know takes over the national team, there is no communication with the previous coach. And Aguirre said, uh wait, hold on, like uh Sven Goran Eriksson actually reached out to him and asked him for help because he didn't know anything about the culture, didn't know anything about about Mexico and uh I guess like Aguirre helped him out, but apart from that, like when the cycle's over, like there has been no handing over the over the torch and, and helping out the the new coach get settled in. It's it's always been like a weird bad breakup between the national team coach. So yeah, that's one of the things that they talked about yesterday. Like, you know, whoever takes over Tata's like reigns, like Tata could, could should have that con that con conversation with that coach and let them know what they're getting themselves into. Um, but I guess like the ego thing, it's like the the pre the new coach doesn't want to hear anything about the previous cycle. Like they don't want anything to do with the last cycle and and project. They just want to start clean. Well, I think I, I think, uh, but that that won't bring it up because I, I I do think they're gonna go with somebody who knows the the lead, the type of players that Mexico has that or a local coach. First, personally, you know, if we are if we are picking a coach from Liga MX. And he's not my favorite guy. It'd be probably Piojo, right? I'd like Ron. I mean, ideally, I would love a, a La Volpe type in there or La Volpe himself. But I think they'll likely go with like a Piojo. Or if, if Liga MX is going to, if Liga MX, I'll go with the flavor of the month with Almada. We'll see. Anyways, boys, we're almost at the two hour mark. So I do want to get to closing thoughts. And we'll wrap up episode 361. If you're listening in on Twitter spaces, feel free to request to speak and, and let us know how you feel about uh, the last match against Mexico and um, Saudi Arabia. Uh, I want to start and, and hear you guys' predictions. Like, how do you guys feel about the third match? Do you even care about it? Do you, do you feel confident Mexico can, can score a couple goals and get into the round of 16, which will probably be a matchup against France? I mean, I'm gonna stick. I'm gonna stick with what I said. Uh, the prediction podcast that we had back then, uh, Mexico out in, in in round one. I just don't see anywhere where, where where they can prove to me that they can score goals. So you know. All right, I respect it. <laughs> I I feel if they get an early goal, they could they could uh, you know. Pull up a really good result, get a win by three. But I do, I do think that early goal will be key. That's what I like to hear. Uh, I do think like the if Mexico scores an early goal, that's going to pressure Saudi Arabia even more to to get more offensive and more aggressive, and that's going to expose a lot of, of that defense. So counterattacks are going to be the key. Uh, beating the offside trap is going to be key. If if Saudi Arabia tries to do what they did against Argentina against Mexico, it's going to be easy pickings for for Mexico. The only player I am concerned about is their number ten. Those shots from outside the range. Obviously, we saw what happened yesterday with Messi and uh, the other guy scoring from from long range, and that's always been uh, Ochoa's kryptonite, unfortunately. Ron, how you feeling about about Saudi Arabia? I know you you want them to go zero and three. Not that I want them to. I just don't see them having the. I, I don't see them having the uh, the know-how of of generating uh, goals because they haven't really shown that to me in in two and a half years. So for me, it's you know I think they're going to crash and burn, 
And if they're going to crash and burn, at least crash and burn spectacularly and take out Argentina as well. You know, because <laughs> uh, I'd love to see some good memes the day after how, where they just lose bad. And in doing so, <laughs> it's like, ideally, that's what it would happen is Mexico loses really bad. And, uh, and also Argentina uh, crapping out. That, that would be spectacular. Because did we talk about the memes? No, man, those were toxic as fuck, <laughs> dude. I was, I was, I was pure entertainment, man. That to me was like the Univision forums of the early two thousands. <laughs> yeah, oh, they were spectacular. Yeah, yeah, those were the last, like the twenty, I would say forty-eight to twenty-four hours leading up to the match. Whole Twitter was just like going at it with, with the memes and the chants and. And it yeah. got it got pretty pretty intense, man. They started throwing photos of of Maradona. It got personal. It got, it got personal. It got personal, man. And at the end of the day, what's uh what's that beer company, Quilmes, bro? They've been killing it with their marketing, bro. And I, yeah. I they they had it already ready and and ready to go as after the the whistle blew. They already had the meme ready to to make fun of Mexicans and you got, you, you kind of just have to take it, bro. Like at the end of the day, they, they did beat us and you can't say anything about that. No, no, just got to take it, man. It's like I said, going, but going back to your question, I, I don't see how Mexico can get out of this one. Uh, Ricardo, I don't know if you're still on. We'd love to hear your prediction for Saudi Arabia. Oh, I, I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, a. Uh... This World Cup doesn't even feel like a World Cup to me, man. I mean, I don't know. Um, maybe I'm indifferent. I'm different in my way of thinking, but I'm used to this this shit being in the summer. I'm just waiting for America to come back. Oh, Road God. to the 14 part two. No, but what I will say is the tele the Telemundo like programming of the World Cup has been shit, man. Give me Univision all day. Uh, I will say like. To compensate for the fact that they don't have the rights, I think through the end it has been the place to go post match and and pre match to to watch like the you know the analysts and and the coaches and stuff. Telemundo though, as bad as it is, is still better than the shit we've been getting on Fox. Uh, I forgot who mentioned it, but it was like uh, Alexis Lalas like eating a turkey on live television. Then you have like Ocho Cinco talking about McDonald's. So as bad as it's been for Telemundo, it's not as bad as the English like broadcasts. I haven't even been watching any of the matches in English. Like I can't stand it. But uh, yeah, it's still. You think if Telemundo's bad, just go on Fox and you'll appreciate it more. Um, I also like love the fact that our sporting director is is out there talking about like the World Cup when he should be focusing on getting uh, Chivas a title and and refuerzos. But that's for another conversation. Um, that guy's such a bore. Have you heard him talk? I mean, he's a typical Spaniard analyst, right? Joder. Yeah. <laughs> he said something on the broadcast, like slipped up, uh, like uh, in the Germany game, and like I started dying, bro, because he said uh, he said something about culo, and uh, I was like, I don't think you think what you think. Like, I don't think you know what that means, like <laughs> in Spanish, you know. <laughs> Pastor, your predictions for Saudi Arabia? It's, uh, general consensus with everyone else. You know, we said this, I said this months ago. Uh, it was the first World Cup where that uh, illusion, that 
you know, wonder that a feeling of like hope was not there. Uh, and these group stages matches have shown that. Uh, I look at a Saudi Arabia team that has an identity, a style of play. They have a well connection with their coach. They're all rowing towards the same path. And, uh, you know, they do have like that difference maker with a 10 while everybody else knows their role. And uh, they can score. They can generate chances. I mean, against Poland, they lost, but they generated more shots and more shots on target than Poland and had, like, way more possession. I think they had, like, 67% possession versus Poland. I just don't think it's going to be that cakewalk that we thought it was going to be, you know, three months ago. Uh, I think uh, Mexico's going to have it tough. I don't see Mexico making it out of the group. Uh, Joel, your thoughts? Maybe he's uh, washing the dishes. Hello? Yes, yes, yes. I was, I was actually doing that. <laughs> uh, no, I, I think it it will bank on that early goal. I do think it will come down to that, and of course, on what's happening in in the Poland Argentina game. But I feel that uh, an, an early goal can change a lot. So let's see if they could finally break that four-match try spell because it, you know, don't want that carrying over to the next cycle. For sure. Well, folks, it sounds like I'm the only optimistic person here. Again, this is all according to plan based on my predictions. Uh, we'll see Mexico get through the next round and have the uh, – the opportunity to play France in a round of 16 match. I think that's what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, the one guarantee that I have for everyone listening in, whether live or later on tonight when we upload this, we will be back for the next episode. We'll talk about what happened uh, probably Wednesday night. And and we look forward to having everyone return for another episode of Cantina MX. You guys have been amazing. Thank you guys so much. And hope you have a great start to the week. Bye, guys. <laughs>